Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 1 tonight. I'm going to do my best to be brief. I appreciate everyone coming out this Christmas. And uh, it, it is a blessing to be able to be in God's house. I'll tell you, it's, it's not always, not every year that you can be in God's house on Christmas. I mean, you can have a special service, but for it to fall on one of the regular church days, that doesn't happen just every year. And I think it's a special blessing to be in God's house on Christmas Day. All right, Matthew chapter number 1, I'd like to begin reading at verse number 18. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, uh, that right there, we could pause right there. That separates, that verse right there separates a lot of people theologically. Because if you believe that he was born of a virgin, then you've got to believe that he was begotten of the Holy Ghost. And I believe that. I take that literally. I find no reason to believe otherwise. The same God that created the heavens and the earth, why would it be a wonder that he could be born of a virgin? It says in verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, notice this verse, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus." For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray together tonight. Heavenly Father, bless your word this evening, Lord. We're conscious that this day may not be the very day uh, upon which that you had entered into this world, but it's a day that we've set aside, Lord, to celebrate the great truth of the incarnation of your Son. And, Father, the beautiful truth of the fact that he came just for me and just for each and every one of us to save us from our sins. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to glorify you tonight. And, Father, we'll be sure to thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight on the name of Jesus. Now, uh, we talked about on Sunday uh, in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 9, some of the names that he would be called by. And these names dealt with uh, his future kingdom. Uh, the, the Bible says unto us, a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and they shall call him Wonderful. Now, not everybody's calling Jesus Christ Wonderful right now, are they? In fact, the world at large denies Jesus Christ, and they deny His goodness, and that's what wonderful means, and they call Him Counselor. Uh, but I'd say right now that there's uh, not very many in the world that consider Jesus Christ to be their Counselor. They have cast off His guidance. Uh, the Bible says that He'd be called the Mighty God. Now, right now, I don't think that in the minds of this world that it's settled whether Jesus Christ is God, don't you think? Uh, I believe it's settled in God's mind. Uh, it's settled in my mind. It ought to be settled in every believer's mind. In fact, if you're going to be a believer, you're going to have to have it settled in your mind that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and God in the flesh. But the world has not accepted uh, that truth. They call Him the Everlasting Father. Uh, they have rejected so far His goodness. They've rejected His guidance. They've rejected His Godhead. Uh, but the world also rejects His goings forth. Now, this isn't the message. I just want to give it to you very quickly. They've rejected His goings forth. Uh, the everlasting Father, the eternal one, the one whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting 
to everlasting. And I don't think that's settled in this world today, do you? I think there's many that believe that Jesus Christ was a created being. But thank God there's coming a day when it's going to be settled, amen? It's not going to be up for discussion uh, when uh, the king comes back. He's not coming back for an election, amen? He's not coming back for primary. He's coming back to claim his Throne. And then he'll be called the Prince of Peace. And true peace uh, is known individually. Uh, a man never has outward peace till he has inward peace. Amen? And uh, you've got to have inward peace. And Christ is the Prince of Peace, uh, not necessarily because of the worldwide peace that will exist during his kingdom, uh, but because of the peace that he provides to the human heart when they accept him. And I would say that this world has rejected the grace of God, but there will come a day when it's accepted. These are all titles that have been given to our Lord and Savior. Uh, about a week before that, we talked about the threefold Christmas title that was given to him. Uh, for unto us, or unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And all these were titles. But tonight I want to talk about the name Jesus. Uh, it's interesting that this was a divinely given name. And you say, well, why, preacher, is that interesting? Because names were given for a particular reason. In fact, if you go through the Bible, you'll find that biblical names, they meant something. Nowadays, they don't mean much. Amen? Uh, uh, whenever uh, you give a person a name, most people don't even know what it means. Uh, but in Bible times, names had specific meanings. The name Jacob, for instance, meant supplanter or trickster or deceiver. And certainly Joseph's life bore well of that truth. David's name meant beloved, and of course David was one of the most beloved men in all of the Word of God. Abraham's name meant a father of many, or a father of nations, or a father of multitudes. And certainly I think that is true of uh, Abraham today, uh, the Jewish people. In fact, I was reading the other day, and I'll get preaching here in a second, but do you know that the word million is found only one time in the entire Word of God? You'll find the word thousands plenty of times and hundreds and scores, but the word million is found only one time. And that's whenever uh, that uh, God is speaking uh, to Isaac or to Rebekah in uh, Genesis chapter number 24 and says that she'd be a mother of thousands of millions. And certainly the Jewish nation today uh, numbers in the millions. And I believe Abraham is certainly a father of multitudes or a father of nations. Moses' name, for instance, means drawn out. Reckon wonder where he got that name from, amen? Could it be because he was drawn out of the Nile River in the Ark of Bulrushes? And so all these names have significance. They're given for a purpose and for a meaning. And the angel told Joseph and Mary that the name they were to give, the Son of God, God in the flesh, was to be the name Jesus. What does this name mean to us today? Well, we have 2,000 years of Christianity behind us today, and I, I would hope that the name Jesus means a lot to you today. I would hope that it's a name you love to hear. I would hope it's a name that, that means something significant in your life. Could I say tonight that if it doesn't, tonight would be a perfect night to be introduced to this man named Jesus, the Son of God. But what does it intrinsically mean? I want to give you four things tonight, and I told you I'm going to try to do my best to hurry. I would say that the name Jesus declares first off his identity. Well, that's what a name does, isn't it? I mean, that's why we give each other names, because it'd be real awkward if we all ran around saying, hey, you, over there. Amen? We give each other names to denote an identity. But I believe it goes deeper than that with the Son of God, because the name Jesus is actually the Greek transliteration of the Old Testament name Joshua. And the name Joshua literally means, now listen to this, Jehovah is salvation. 
Not just Jehovah's salvation, not just Jehovah provides salvation, but Jehovah, the Lord God of the Old Testament, the God of the universe. Jehovah is salvation. Can I say to you that the identity of this man named Jesus is not just of a carpenter. It's not just of a teacher, and it's not just of a prophet. It's not just of a disciple or of an apostle. It's not just of a religious leader. Can I propose to you tonight, I believe Scripture very well verifies this truth, that who we have in the person of Jesus Christ is actually the Jehovah God manifest in the flesh. He's the Son of God, and He's God in the flesh. In fact, it says later on down in verse number 23 of Luke or of Matthew chapter 1, it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Now, this quote is being uh, quoted from Isaiah chapter number 7. It says, And shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name, I've always loved this name, Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. The first thing that we learn from the name Jesus is that Jesus Christ was not just a good man, but was actually the Son of God and God in the flesh. Now that right there is going to divide some people. Uh, in fact, you'll, you'll hear people say sometimes, well, I just think we ought to all come together, and I think Jesus came so that we could all be unified. And I understand the sentiment behind that. And I believe there is a lot of nitpicking over silliness, and I believe there are a lot of people that just love to fuss and to feud and to fight sometimes. Uh, but could I say to you that uh, the doctrines of Jesus Christ are not something that are given to unify. He said, I send a sword upon this earth, and I send a fire, and what will I if it already be kindled? You see, that doctrine of the incarnation, that separates people. Because if you believe that he's God in the flesh, you can't just believe he's a good teacher. Because he explicitly declared that he was the Son of God and God in the flesh. If you believe that Jesus Christ is just a prophet, uh, then you cannot believe that he was the Son of God as well. It has to be one or it has to be the other. He cannot be just one. He has to be the Son of God. As we read the Bible, I think it's abundantly clear who Jesus Christ is. And I think any confusion about the matter comes from the minds of humanity. Uh, if you uh, listen carefully to what Jesus said, I think it's, it's very, very clear. He said in John 14, uh, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He said in John chapter number 4, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He said, I'm come to reveal the Father. I'm come to show him to you. I am come to make known to you who God is. That was part of his divine will and purpose. So we learn first off of his identity. He is God in the flesh, not just a good man. Uh, but I would say, secondly, we learn of his intentions. What does it mean to say Jehovah is salvation. Well, if we understand that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, then we understand that His mission and purpose in being here must be that of salvation. Jehovah is salvation. This is why it says there in verse number 21, Thou shalt call His name Jesus for... Now, don't, don't listen. Don't ignore the grammar in your Bible. and don't, don't ignore the sentence structures. Nothing there is just to fill up space. It's all there for a purpose. When the Bible says for, uh, that's a conjunctive word. That, that word is connecting two separate ideas together. It's saying you're going to call his name Jesus for, or we might say it this way, you're going to call his name Jesus because, or in light of this truth, this fact, he shall save his people from their sins. Can I tell you, that was the intention of the Son of God coming to this earth, was to save sinners from hell. 
If we divorce that fact from the Word of God, we make the Word of God absolutely meaningless. In fact, I would propose to you that if you divorce the idea of evangelism and of uh, the Son of God coming to rescue and redeem a lost and fallen humanity, if you take that out of the Word of God, it doesn't even make any sense anymore. Only in light of the truth of Christ's cross can the Word of God be interpreted and understood correctly. And Christ said it this way. He said that I am come, why? To build a church? And that's not what He said. Did He say, I am come to establish a denomination? No, that's not what He said. Did He say, I, I am come uh, to shoe every single naked foot and to feed every single empty belly? No, that's not what He said. He said, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's, that's who he is. That was the purpose. He, he, was, he did not wind up at a cross. He was born for a cross. It was not uh, accidental, nor was it incidental, uh, Calvary's road that he trod. He came with the purpose of dying for your sins and mine. You ever wonder why it was that they brought the gifts that they brought at the birth of Christ? And this is a whole separate message, and I'm not going to spend time on it uh, very lengthy tonight. Uh, But they brought him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, most of us know what gold is, although we're starting to get a little scarcer, amen? But we know what gold is. Gold is a precious metal, and Gold was a gift of royalty. It was a gift of of vast wealth. And uh, it was a symbolic gift. And you say, how do you know that? Because what would a toddler do with gold? Amen. Uh, Most of you, if you've got toddlers, you know what they do with it. They flush it down the toilet or they throw it out in the yard. It would mean nothing to the average toddler. It was symbolic of who Christ was as the King of kings and Lord of lords. They brought him frankincense. You say, what's frankincense? It's not a movie monster. I hate to break it to you. But frankincense was a... Old Testament incense, an herb that would be burned in the office of the priesthood. You say, reckon, why would they bring him that? Because he's our great high priest. But then they brought him another gift, and it was that of myrrh. Myrrh was an embalming spice, or a funeral spice. At this time, they did not embalm in the sense of embalming, uh, but they would bury them in tombs. And uh, in, the, in the periodic time between uh, whenever the person would die and when they would bury them, they would take and they would wrap them in linen and they would embalm them or pour spices upon their body. What a strange gift. I've gotten some strange gifts growing up, I'm going to be honest with you. And uh, we're not going to we're not going to sit here and talk about all of them. But uh, I've gotten some odd gifts. You ever open a gift and thought to yourself, this person doesn't know me at all, do they? That ever happened to you before? You ever opened a gift and thought, man, I knew they was cheap, but I didn't know they was this cheap. <laughs> you get some strange gifts sometimes. What stranger gift could you get a toddler? A little baby. He has no use for it doesn't fit within the framework or context of his life. You know, ever since we had LB, uh, you know, he, he doesn't, he gets Christmas presents, uh, but they ain't really for him. He can't really enjoy any of them. It's just stuff so we don't have to spend money on him, you know. But in what context of life would Mary have used this myrrh? There would have been no use for it. Why was it given? It too was symbolic. The gold that he was king of kings, lord of lords. The incense that he was our great high priest and the myrrh given to show that he was the Lamb of God to be slain for your sins, for my sins. He was born with the purpose of dying. This was the intention of God. Uh, the Calvary was not an example of a uh, context or a cultural situation gone awry. This was the predetermined and foreordained will of God that he be slain for your sins 
and for mine. I would say the name of Jesus declares to us His identity and His intentions. But I would say, too, that the name of Jesus declares to us His impoverishment. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed this as you read the Word of God, but you'll never find a person that adored Jesus Christ calling him by the name of Jesus. You say, why is that, preacher? What is the purpose behind that? Because Jesus was an earthly name. Uh, Most of the time, the disciples would call him master or they would call him Lord. When the Pharisees would come to him and, you know, they didn't really have any comprehension of uh, what a relationship with Christ was. So they'd call him rabbi. They'd call him a teacher or a master. And there were all these different titles that would be given to him. But Jesus was his earthly name. And stop and consider the fact that God would be adorned with an earthly name. What an interesting thought. Do you realize what all, and I say that, let me pause and let me correct myself and phrase it this way. We will never understand how low that Christ went in coming to earth for you and I until we reach heaven and see how how vast and how magnificent that it truly is. Listen to how the Bible describes it in 2 Corinthians 8 9. The Bible says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes became He poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. Heaven was bankrupted. The Son of God condescended to this world was born of a virgin, was laid in a manger, was housed in a stable, would go on throughout his life. And he described it this way. He said that the foxes have their holes and the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. I mean, hey, I'm trying to get you to understand tonight what Christ did for you when He came to this world. He left the comfort of a throne to come for the agony of a cross. He left the glory of a crown of jewels and a crown of God's favor to come and bear a crown of thorns for you and for I. And this name Jesus, the very fact that He had the name Jesus is indicative of all that He left and all that He was willing to bear, that He was willing to come to this earth and be lowered in such a way. He described His uh, magnificence whenever He spoke of Solomon. Uh, and uh, there was not really, a, I mean, if you, if you was going to be somebody through, through Jewish history, in the minds of the Pharisees, in the minds of the religious people of that day, I mean, if you wanted to live comfortable, Solomon would have been it. <laughs> Solomon was the wisest man to have ever lived. We know the Bible teaches us this truth that God gave him a supernatural wisdom. And it's sad, and by the way, this isn't the message, but you look at the end of Solomon's life, and it shows you that it's going to take something more than wisdom to keep us on the right track. Because towards the end of Solomon's life, Uh, He he was joined unto uh, pagan wives and they turned his heart and he wound up in a desperate and despondent situation lamenting even of life. But there was never a time in the nation of of Israel's history when the kingdom was as large or as wealthy or as splendorous as it was during the time of Solomon. You ought to read sometime all the vast riches that Solomon had. I mean, uh, kings and, and queens and emperors would travel uh, thousands of miles, tens of thousands, uh, to come and to see Solomon, to see all the things that he had, because it was so magnificent. And listen to what Christ said. He said that a greater than Solomon is here. He was speaking of himself. All of this world's riches are but nothing before the eyes of Almighty God. 
We spend so much time toiling away trying to get money. We don't, we don't even get gold anymore. We just get a promise from the government. And you know the government, it don't never break its promises, right? We just get a promise from the government that we've got something when we hold that dollar bill in our hand. But do you know that gold is what they pave the streets of glory with? It means nothing. I mean, the vast wealth, the cattle on a thousand hills, all that God has. And Christ was willing to lay it all aside that He might become man and die for your sins and die for my sins. Let me give you one last thought and I'm done. I would say that this name Jesus declares His identity, that He was God in the flesh. I would just say that it declares His intentions. He came to this world to die for your sins and for mine. I would say that the very fact that He had a human name declares to us His impoverishment, that He left the ivory towers of glory and came to be born in a manger. But I would say, and particularly so in my heart, and I hope so in your heart, that the name of Jesus declares to us today His individuality. Do you know that there have been many Jesuses? Now, some of you are getting ready to say, now, well, wait a minute, preacher, wait a minute, what do you mean? Well, go down south of the border. You'll find plenty of people named Jesus. In fact, the name Jesus in the time of our Lord and Savior was actually a fairly common name. Uh, Joshua had been the one that had led them into the promised land under the hand of God. And the name of Joshua was quite common. In fact, you'll find two or three men in the Old Testament with the name Joshua. There was lots of people that had the name Jesus in the day of Jesus. But we don't remember any of them except the Jesus Christ. That name has come to mean something to us. In fact, the Bible says there's none other name given among men under heaven whereby ye must be saved. The Bible says it's as at that name that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Could I say to you that there's never been a Savior like Jesus Christ? When you say the name Jesus Christ, you're speaking of someone that has done things that no, no, no ever and no other man has ever done. When you speak about the name of Jesus Christ, you're talking about the Son of God uh, that came to this earth for your sins and mine. No other religion has this idea within it. No other mainline religion has a Savior that was willing to die for the sins of the believers. No other one. When we speak of Jesus Christ, we're speaking of something totally unique. And I would say not just in the ideology, but I would say in the power. Can I say to you that there's no other man that has the ability to forgive sins and to save the soul other than Jesus Christ? There's no other religious way. There's no other religious ideology or religious way of thinking. There's no other means of salvation other than through the person of Jesus Christ. When you're speaking of the Jesus Christ of the Bible, you're speaking of an individual with no peers, with no one that is on the same level, with no one that can contend with him. You're talking about the magnificent Son of God when you speak of Jesus Christ. Can I say to you that he's an individual, not just because of the way he lived and the things that he did, but when you say the name Jesus to me, and maybe this is a bit of personal testimony, but when you say the name Jesus to me, I think of my Savior. I think of the one that heard me when I cried. I mean, I think of the one that when I was a 10-year-old boy and knelt on my knees and called out as a sinner unto God and asked Him to forgive me and to save me. You're talking about the very same person that heard from His celestial throne and forgave me of my sins. What a beautiful name, this name of Jesus. And what a precious treasure that you and I get to bear this name to a lost and dying world. 
That's what it's about this Christmas, is taking this truth, this idea of the Son of God come to this earth to die for your sins and mine and carrying it to a lost and dying world because they won't find it on their own. The Bible teaches that God always uses human instrumentality. God has the means of doing anything He wishes, but He uses soul winners. He uses Christians that have experienced the love of God and the saving grace of Jesus Christ to take this truth and to go to lost sinners and to share this beautiful word, this beautiful gospel with them. That's what we're talking about this Christmas season. That's what God has called us to do. And there is a name that we can take to others and share with them. I understand tonight, especially in a church our size, and uh, Christmas night, I understand. I look around this room and I don't see a single stranger. And uh, I, I know that everyone here would, would profess to be saved. And I believe you when you say that. I don't doubt that one bit. Uh, but I wonder tonight, there could be someone that's not saved. Could I say this name still has the same power today that it's always had? I mean, it's still got the same power to save and to, and to liberate and to free and to redeem and to reconcile. This name of Jesus still has this same power today. Or maybe there's someone that God has burdened your heart with. Can I encourage you? Because I know how the devil works. You know, the devil's a scoundrel and he's a liar and he's a bully. And he tries to tell us that Christ can't do for others what he's done for us. But can I tell you tonight that Christ can save others the same way that he has saved you and I. This name has that same power to those that you know as it does in your life. Uh, you know what's missing? What's missing is someone to take that truth to them. There's people in this world lost and on their way to hell, and tonight's going to be their last night, and no one ever took them a gospel track or the truth of the Word of God. No one ever. I, I don't want that on my hands. And I, trust me, I've got too much on my hands already. I've got a lot I'm going to have to answer for. You probably do too, whether you recognize it or acknowledge it or not. I don't want any more to be on my hands than has to be. I want to take this name and I want to share it with people. You may have a loved one and if you don't tell them, there's no one else that will tell them. You might be the only means of one of your loved ones coming to know Jesus Christ. Have you got the burden that you need to have? Are you trusting the Holy Ghost the way that you need to? Are you being bold like you ought to? Are you being compassionate like you ought to? I would say tonight that we have a worthy name to take to them. We have a name that can change them. And it's up to you and I to be willing to do it.